Welcome to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm your host, Coach Des, mindset motivator and lifestyle entrepreneur. From lost trauma, disappointments, and devastation to healing hope and betterment, what has grounded me is my unbreakable spirit. We all have that spirit within us. Every week, I'm here to inspire you with stories of perseverance and growth. My mission is to help you crush self-limiting beliefs and to be unapologetically you. You are your only limit, so take action today. Let your unbreakable ride begin now. This episode is brought to you by Brasserie, reinventing the bra strap. Ladies, say goodbye to those tacky clear straps when you want to show off those shoulders. Brasserie is more than just a bra strap. It's my new favorite fashion accessory with styles from dainty to daring. Guys, these make the perfect gift for a special lady in your life too. Use promo code BUSHIP to get free shipping on your order. That's B-U-S-H-I-P. Awesome! Welcome everyone to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I could be not more elated. I could barely get the words out of my mouth because today's guest is a treat for you, but it's also a treat for me. So today I have international business advisor, coach, podcast host. She's the host of the Pivot Bee podcast, April Garcia, personal mentor to me, which is very special. I'm actually in April's mastermind. So one of the reasons that I wanted April to come on the show is to help show you my listeners, what it's like to have the right people around you that get you accelerated when you're trying to achieve goals in a world where all of us only have 24 hours in the day. So I have to start with probably a little bit of a funny story of how I met April to bring us to where we are today. But April and I met back in 2019, which in pandemic years seems like ancient times ago when you could actually <laughs> go to big events and congregate together with less than six feet apart and not masks. So that was a really special time back then. And April and I actually met in an elevator at an event called the Summit of Greatness put on by Lewis Howes. He's a big influencer if anybody follows the Summit of Greatness and the School of Greatness podcast. And uh, when I met April, it was a networking conversation, really how she landed at this event. I got to know more about her, learn that she was in the podcast space. I was at that time launching my first podcast, Bliss Beyond Fear. And Long story short, or else we'd be here for an hour just talking about this, it was because of the connection that I had from April that within three weeks, I actually launched a podcast. I got a podcast manager, a branding company, the right team around me that got me accelerated. And then fast forward a couple months, and I joined April's Mastermind. And it's been about 13 months now, or no, actually 15 months that I've been in April's mastermind. Yeah. And so as a result of that, there's uh, so many things that I've done, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about April, but I just think it's a cool story to say, you never know who you're going to meet and the way that they're going to impact your life. But I'm definitely grateful to have somebody so successful um, in business and in life on the show. So I'm so excited to have you here, April, and all the gems I'm that you're going to drop. I'm excited to be there. 
Oh, I'm excited to be there. Des, what an introduction, man. This is amazing. So I am excited to be here. We've been talking about doing connecting like this for a while. So I'm really glad that we're finally here. And I too am very grateful that we met in that fateful elevator that one day. And the thing you need to know about Des is not only does her energy and her enthusiasm over light uh, of uh, over life just kind of radiate from her. Des is also a really good dancer. So um, Des made quite an impression on me right away. <laughs> yeah, that is we true. Time. We got to hang out professionally and dance the night away, which was really awesome. So that was an <laughs> amazing experience. Yeah, that's what happens when you go to a conference and you actually get to spend three days in person together. You're bonded for life by the end of it. Um, but, you know, for other... Sure. Other things about April, I mean, April got started in business at a young age in entrepreneurship. I know that you bought your first home before you could actually legally drink mm -hmm. alcohol, I think. So you've been in real estate investment, international business, like I just mentioned. You've helped take businesses from good to great, which is no small feat. And you run masterminds and you run a whole consulting company and a coaching business. So you certainly know what it's like to be busy. So I really want to mm -hmm. spend some time with you today on a couple of things that I think would be really impactful for folks. Number one is who you surround yourself with. So when we think about our peer group, what what should we be thinking out the, thinking about that could take us to the next level? And I think something that sounds simple, yet we struggle with it, is how to get more done in less time. And, you know, mm, if... Okay. Yeah, I, I, I think that the funny part about being in a pandemic and thinking, oh, many people shifted from having to go to an office and then now the ability to work virtually, yet still struggle for the time, <laughs> thinking, oh, well, I, I'm going to have more time because I don't have a commute, and that means I'm going to get more done, but still have the same challenges of fitting it all in. So those, those are the big key topics that I want to dig into today. So my first question for you, April, is what mm -hmm. can you tell us about peer group and how that influences the decisions that we make and the success that we do or don't have. Sure, sure. So I'm I'm really glad that you brought up peer group because peer group is is everything. So when you say how can they influence them um, entirely, they completely influence them. A lot of us, when we think about peer groups, so the people that we spend our time with, um, a lot of us end up with what I call the default peer group. So that's the people that you work with. That's the people that you live next to. It might be the parents of, you know, your kids' friends. And that's sort of our, our default peer group. And we don't design it. And this is a huge mistake. So we kind of fall into spending time with these people which makes sense, you know, it's it's kind of from a practical standpoint. However, if you're actively seeking the next level of success, like you're you're focused on leveling up in your business or in your personal life, ending up with your default peer group won't get you there. You have to intentionally design a peer group that gets you to the next level. And that's being talked about more and more, which I'm really, really excited that that, that that's on people's minds now is like, wait a second, how much is, in, is my peer group affecting me? And the answer, it's everything. The other thing I'll add to the default peer group is a lot of times it's our family and we can love our family, but we don't need to always spend all of our time with our family, with our extended family. 
because sometimes they're not helping us move ahead. In fact, sometimes the people that we love the most can can restrain us because they've kind of got a dog in the fight. You know, if you decide, hey, I want to start running a marathon, um, the people that are closest to you will be impacted by that. And some people will feel negatively impacted by that. Like if your spouse suddenly has to hear the 5 a.m. alarm clock, um, and then they can kind of talk you out of doing the things that you really want to do. So let's talk about how we do this. So first, we got to get clarity on who our peer group is. You got to think about who you're spending the majority of your time with. And again, not just, well, I've got, you know, I've got my best friend, Anne, and I adore her. Anne and I can go two years without talking and we can pick right back up. People love to say that. That's not good. Anne's not influencing you and you're not influencing Anne. The, you, your friendship might survive not talking for two years, but you're not in each other's active peer group. So I want you to first look at who you're actually spending your time with. And that's easy. Just look at your calendar, right? Who did I spend time with last week? Who did I spend time with this week? Likely, it's those people I just mentioned, the people you work with, you live next to, your kids play with their kids, the default peer group. Now, I think it was Tony Robbins who first, or, or who kind of coined the phrase of you, you are the five people you spend your time with. Lots of people have talked about that, not just Tony Robbins, many people. But really think about who are the five people I spend my most time with and is that the life that I want to be living? If you want to write a best-selling book, is there an author in your peer group? If you want to run marathons, is there a runner in your peer group? Whatever you're looking to do, whatever you'd like you know, this next year to be about, this next quarter to be about, you need to make sure that those people show up in your peer group. And so if you look around and go, well, I am a, I'm the most successful person in my peer group. I, you know, whatever metrics you want to use, I make the most money in my peer group. I'm the most ambitious in my peer group. Um, that is not going to level you up. You might be leveling them up, which is important as we elevate, we want to elevate other people. But if you're trying to level up, you've got to be, you got to be over your head. You've got to be with people that you're like, oh, their business is bigger than mine. Oh, that person runs way faster. I mean, you don't become a better tennis player by playing tennis with people who aren't as good at the game. Yeah. So when I, when I explain that concept, what a lot of people say, well, what do I do with my existing peer group? Or how do I find these people? So let's talk about what you do with your existing peer group, because some a lot of times people will say, "Well, it's not like I want to." I, I spend Anne, a lot Anne of time with awesome. my cousin, and we love Anne. We we don't <laughs> want Anne to not have cheese and wine with us at dinner, but that's probably not helping me achieve certain goals. So Anne gets to stay. Is exactly. What you're exactly. <laughs> okay, good. So Anne gets to stay, but she does not. Well, so Anne can stay if you choose to have Anne stay, but she may not have like the head of the table role anymore. So a lot of times people go, well, I can't just go in and, and say, well, I'm not going to hang out with Anne or I'm not going to hang out. Poor, poor Anne. Anne's, Anne's the name of my best friend. So she might be hearing this and going, wait a second. Are you kidding? Um, Anne, I love you. But yeah, wait a second. Why'd you have to pick Anne as the name? So we don't necessarily have to go in and say, Anne, we need to talk. You're out of here. It's, it's nothing that dramatic. It's just a matter of bringing in other people into your peer group that do fit your future because a lot of our peer groups represent our past. It's where we came from, not where we're going. And so you have to get clear on where you're headed. We have to define success, right? Cl clarity is always the first step in all these processes. Like, where are you going? Before we get in the car and jam our foot on the gas pedal, where the heck do you want to go? So once you get clarity and say, I want to I run a marathon, I want to write a book, whatever that is, 
then make sure that you're bringing in those people and you don't necessarily have to kick those people, those other people out. They just don't have as prominent seat as at the table anymore. Yep. So what? So when I, no, well, I, so I was, and maybe this is where you were going, but what, what I was going to ask you is what if you have a goal and you find that you don't have the person in your peer group that you need, what do you do to get them? Absolutely. That's, that's exactly great question. Um, so you have to go find them and here is, here is the fact that you have to accept somebody you already know is connected to someone who could solve all your problems. And that's, that's a larger discussion in general. But if you just think about, okay, I want to, we just, you will use running a marathon as an example. It's just an easy one, but I want to run a marathon. Nobody in my family's ever run a marathon. I don't know anyone who's run a marathon. Um, where do I even begin? You know someone who's run marathons or someone you know knows someone who's run a marathon. It can be as simple as you putting a post out on social media. Hey, who do I know in the Sacramento area that is a runner? Um, if you want to write a book, hey, who do I know? And um, this is a great, great tool for social media, but it can be text change and things like that. But hey, who do I know who's published a book? Who do I know that's the best selling author? I'd encourage you to go big. Um, who do I know that's done a TED talk? Who do I know that's gone vegan? Whatever it is that you want to do, do let me say this do not DIY it. Do not DIY your business or your life. You don't need to. You just got to find someone who's already doing the thing that you want to do really, really well. And, and, you know, stand on their shoulders. Just say, can you show me how you were, how you went vegan? Show me how you started, you know, how you did the couch to 5k, um, race, talk to those people and, and they'll, they're happy to share their journey. In fact, they're usually eager to, cause you know, they may run into the same problem you're having where their peer group isn't as supportive. And they're like, yeah, I'll tell you about how to run a marathon because I love talking about this. So someone you already know knows the person that's achieved the goal that's on your vision board right now. That is amazing. Ask the question. That's where that's the first step, right? Is just get out there and ask the question. I and I yes. I love I love what you said about the DIY because I think we often spin our wheels thinking that. Let me figure this out. Let me figure this out on my own and um one of the books that several of us have read in the mastermind, which I think has been pretty life-changing is Who Not How, which is an awesome book about just the very question that you're, you're talking about, which is what problem am I trying to solve and who can help me? Brilliant. Brilliant. What about... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, and, and people will, when you said they spin their wheels, they, they'll waste a lot of time at that. Oh, I think we've yeah. got a delay, Des. So if I talk over you, my apologies. No, I know. I feel I feel like that that's okay. we're just both so excited. We just talk on top of each other. <laughs> right? Um Yeah, no, no, you first. Yeah. No, no, you you first. Um so I think it's, you know, the 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 notion of a peer group I think is great. I I think the other the other thing I wanted to spend some time on is how do we get more done in less time? Uh, you know, today Sure there is here's something that i observe quite frequently which is multitasking multitasking we've got social media so we're at the same time you know 
I see people trying to spend time with their kids, cook dinner, check an email, do a social media post and plan, you know, tomorrow and expect that all of that's going to work out good. And oh, by the way, I think I want to start a side business. And you've got all these great ideas and great intentions and feel completely overwhelmed with all the things that need to get done. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like that is a question that we all ask at some point in time when our list gets too long and we're trying to figure out what to do about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what would you say about that? Yes. Absolutely. So you're right. This is this is a, a common problem. Everybody struggled with it. Some of us struggle with it every single day, every single hour. And some people just go through periods where they struggle it. So a couple things about that. First, when someone sits down and said, gosh, my to-do list is so long. How I, I need productivity tips. How do I get through this list faster? Here's the first thing we have to accept. Most likely your list, it's too long. As we were just talking about on our mastermind this morning, I, I, I tell clients that you can do all the things that you want to do in life. You cannot do them all at the same time. And the problem is we try to do them all at the same time. I make the analogy of building houses. We start this house and the frames up and you're like, oh, this is, this is going good. And then we move on to the next house and we're laying concrete. And then we're like, all right, let's put piping on this third house. And the point is, is not one of those houses can sustain us. Not one of them actually provides shelter from the rain. And this can be business and this can be life. So in business, it might be, I started this product, but now I'm doing this other thing over here. And also I'm going to start this side business and we're not doing anything well. Now, whether that's big projects or that's little projects, like when we're multitasking, we start a bunch of things and it gives us the feeling of progressing because we've started three things at once. But if we could pan back and watch how long it takes us to do them, most likely it's going to take you more time because you did not focus on one thing until the house was built and then move on to the next thing until the house is built and move on to the next thing. So I, I first want to address the fact that if you feel like your list is too long, it probably is. Um, so what I can do is I can give you some tips. Um, I want to give them quick tips so that right away today you could go, all right, here's three or four things that I could do right away to get more done in less time. Um, because I want you to get through your list so you can live the best, fullest life, but also so you can get out there and spend time with your people and enjoy your time. There needs to be time after our list. And a lot of us are so focused on our list that we're not enjoying everything else. And you've worked so hard for this life. I want you to have time to enjoy it. So let's, let's look at the list. So first, your list is too long. So I want you to look at the list and I want you to go through and say, does this really need to be done? The second you put it on your list, your brain is compelled to check that thing off. So before you put pen to paper or, or in digital format, before you even put it on the list, there should first be a decision filter. Does this need to be done? Does And, and I'd ask it twice, does this really need to be done? And if the answer is yes, okay, we'll put it on the list. But first is the list is probably too long. So that's the first thing we need to get out of the way. Second, I want to identify the most important things on your list because everything on your list is not created equal. And the problem is when we have a list, it feel, it starts to feel equal, right? Well, I got 10 things to do today. Well, of those 10 things, one really, really mattered. And what we do as humans, we tend to wait on the one thing. We tend to wait and we're like, oh, this is really important. I'm going to tackle it about 4.30 today. 
This is a terrible idea. Decision fatigue is a very, very real thing in that throughout the day, we have made so many decisions that at the end of the day, we don't make them as well. We get tired. We procrastinate. They take us longer. Do the most important tasks at the beginning of the day. So again, you've got this list, you're setting off for tomorrow and you've got this list of 10 things that need to get done. And again, this is business home. It doesn't matter. I want you to star or highlight the most important thing that needs to get done. The one thing on that list that if you go, well, I got that done and nothing else, you would still feel like the day is a success. And I will tell you, our instinct is to put it at the end of the day, put it at the first. In fact, I say, um, in my digital course, multiply me. I tell people that they have to get it done by 9.27 a.m., that we pretend that Milton from Office Space comes to our office and he burns the office down. And you got to get it done by 9.27 a.m. before Milton burns the, the whole building down. And if you get your one thing done, again, the most critical thing, and, and I want to I clarify a point here. The most important thing, I did not say the dog that barks the loudest. Because you might have something that someone really needs, maybe a teammate, maybe it's a family member that sent you five texts and you go, oh my gosh, okay, this is really important. No, 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 it's urgent and it's urgent to them. So don't just say, well, this is the thing that's that's barking the loudest. Don't feed the dog that barks the loudest. Stop, push away from your to-do list and go, what really matters? And a way does to really help people identify what really matters is again, getting clarity on what the end goal is. So if you know where you're going three years from now, if you've got a vision of where your, what success looks like to you, that's how you figure out what your one thing is. Your one thing may not be that thing that your sister texted you about five times. It might be, I said I was going to write a book and I have not done any word count this week. I need to get in 500 words. I need to get to 500 words. We'll get them in before 9.27 a.m. and you're going to set yourself up for success. Wow. So I've got a, I've got a couple more, Des, if you want me to give them. Um, we talked about the one thing. We talked about um, cut down your to-do list. Um, a, a, a Kind of a, a simple solution for that is uh, a phrase Mark, um, made popular by Der, uh, Derek Sivers and then a few other people said it after that, which is if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. When we're looking at our lists, when we're looking at our, our our scheduling obligations, really ask yourself, does that need to happen? And if you're going, mm, kind of, I should do it. Well, that's a good sign that you probably shouldn't do it. That is huge. Yeah, tr keep dropping the the nuggets <laughs> if you've got any more. I definitely, okay. <laughs> definitely feel I, like this. I we're do. on a roll here. <laughs> Right or roll. Okay. So, okay. So when we talked about the one thing we're really addressing, the problem in that one is addressing overwhelm, which many people are experiencing it. And we're addressing it with prioritization. The one thing is one way to do it. Um, when I talked about, um, paring down your list, we're doing elimination. And this is, again, this is all from my digital course, multiply me. Um, the other thing I'll say is, so, so then so let's just say we trim the fat. You had, you had, you know, 20 things on your to-do list and I got it down to 10. You've starred the most important thing. Great. You are winning at life. So how do you get that one most important thing done? Well, first, just know that your brain is going to try to sabotage you. Can't always trust this three pound organ. Um, we, we have to get our brain, um, in line sometimes. One of the ways that you can do that is you time block for it. So, um, Again, we'll, we'll say with, you want to write a book, for example, you might say, I need to get word count in this week. That's my goal. When I think about three years from now, I'm a successful author and I see my book on the shelf at Barnes Noble and I am winning at life. Okay. Well, then you got to get word count. 
you've got to time block when you're doing word count. So it needs to be, okay, on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7 to 8 a.m., I'm going to get X amount of words in. I'm going to, you know, I'll do even 100 words, just something, just progress that. Time blocking is when you set aside a specific amount of time to do a very specific task. Do not wait until that moment to decide what the task is. Decide the day before. Okay, tomorrow from six to seven, I am doing this task. And that when that time comes up, you protect it with all your might. So don't time block and then let somebody else or yourself get into that time. And I trained uh, sales reps, uh, sales teams for years. And with outbound sales, they have to time block their outbound calls, right? So sales people, a lot of times will have nine to 11 is call blocking. That means they cannot do anything else other than outbound sales. They dial out on the phone or reach out on an email. You have to protect that time. And it doesn't matter what the goal is, whether you're a salesperson and you want to get 20 dial outs or whether you want to get word count, it doesn't matter what the goal is. Goal setting is really just project management. We we bake a bunch of emotion around it. But if you just look at goals as project management, I don't care if it's weight loss, writing a book, running a marathon, it's all just project management. Yep. Yep. You're so right. There's, I, and something that I'm picking up on in what you're saying is consistency and habits. So this isn't something mm -hmm. that you would just do one morning, I'm just going to prioritize my one thing by 927. And then tomorrow, I'm back to my 430 schedule, you know, with, mm -hmm. with it. So you're it seems, yeah, absolutely right. <laughs> you know, it's, I, hey, I tried that. That was fun. Uh, but back to my regularly scheduled pro that was program. Good. Yeah, that, that was a good try. That was a good try. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what would you say about tools? Are there any tools that help folks with consistency or getting habits nailed down if doing what you're describing isn't commonplace for them. You know, it feels really uncomfortable for me to prioritize this thing that I, that's why I'm struggling in the first place. So, mm -hmm. and it's just like, it's like a diet, right? It's yeah. like, hey, I'll totally eat my veggies today. And then I'm back to, you know, nachos and ice cream tomorrow because it's just what's comfortable. How do you start sure. doing what's uncomfortable consistently enough for it to turn into a habit so you change your life for the long yes. haul? Oh, great question. Great question. So a few things. Um, Depending on what the habit, and you're absolutely right, the, the answer is habits. And it's about consistent execution on a very, very small scale. We think our lives are changed by big sweeping moments. They're not. They are tiny little, you know, two millimeter shifts, as we talk about. Um, they're tiny little habits that stack upon each other. And that's how we get the compound effect of these micro decisions. So if you're struggling with whatever this habit is, if, if for, for whatever reason, there is, there's a block, maybe you just don't want to do it. Maybe it's getting up earlier than you usually like. There's lots of tools that you can use, um, outside like external tools, but also things that you can do just with yourself. So let's talk about what that is. Let's say you really want to get up and walk in the morning. Can the activity, the goal, it really doesn't matter. We're just using um, using an example. So, so let's say, okay, I want to start getting up and walking, you know, four times a week. Don't, don't set out and be like, you don't want to start too big because you tend to set yourself up for failure. So there's a thing called the two minute rule. 
which is, uh, they talked about Atomic Habits, great book, where just do that thing that you want to make a habit for two minutes. Just commit to two minutes. I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk for two minutes and then I'm going to come right back in. I'm going to put my comfy PJs on and I'm going to get a cup of coffee. But just committing for a short period of time, and, and here's the spoiler alert, you, you tend to stay for longer than two minutes. You can go out for just a walk for two minutes and that's the way you get your butt out of bed. But then when you're out walking and the birds are chirping and you feel the wind on your face, you're like, I actually feel pretty good. I'm going to stay out. But just committing to doing something for two minutes can make all the difference. So that's, that's one tool that you can use that is, um, wildly effective. Don't say I'm going to go out for an hour long walk. If you, if you're not working out now, do not commit to a 45 minute workout. You, much harder time being consistent if it's that big of a jump. We just want some small progress because you're building high performance habits. So we talked about two minute, two minute rule. The other thing that's really effective is build in a reward system, especially if you don't want to do this. There is a correlation between how bad you don't want to do it and how big your reward should be. So if there's something you've been putting off for a long time, and again, it could be a goal, it could be a mammogram. I don't care what it is, but if it's something you really need to do, but you've been dragging your feet for a long time, you need a big reward at the end of that, that you're like, this is what I'm going to do. And it, it can be anything from, you know, some of my clients will go to a nice restaurant that they've been meaning to go to for a long time. Um, one of them had this, <laughs> it was a, a, a medical procedure that they'd been putting off for a very long time. So they their reward was a vacation afterwards. And it can be a small reward. It can be, okay, I'm going to get up and do my walk that I want to. And only then can I go to Starbucks. Rewards are really effective. Um, because you're training your brain, you're kind of tricking your brain. Instead of your brain just focusing on the thing you don't want to do, your brain kind of jumps to the next step of, oh, but I get this thing at the end. It's like we're Pavlov's dogs. Like, I just want the treat at the end. It's fine if I have to do this thing that I didn't really want to do, but I'm focused on the treat afterwards. So building in a reward is huge. I will add another one, um, and then I'll add the last one, the most powerful one. But another one that works really well is habit stacking where you're doing it along with something else you already have to do. So that's kind of a form of multitasking, you could say, or, or net time, no extra time. But say you don't like walking on the treadmill, but you really like watching Shit's Creek. Well, then you just habit stack those. You put those together where you get to watch it and you're doing the thing that you really should be doing. Um, and you're, you're also kind of getting a reward in the process. And then suddenly walking on the treadmill isn't that big of a deal because you're habit stacking it with something else. Now let's, let's, uh, let's, let's talk about one of the biggest ways that you can make your habit stick. You need a really big juicy why. If you say, I want to walk in the morning because I want to lose 10 pounds, that is not a juicy why. That does not get your butt out of bed in the morning. If you are not a morning person, you have to really, to create motivation, we're motivated by pain or pleasure. Everyone's motivated a little bit different. And you may, you go, I don't know which one I'm motivated by. Well, there's some tests that you can do to figure that out pretty easily. So when you think about doing something that you really don't want to do, you've got to add the pain or pleasure into the why. And that's what will get you over the hurdle of inactivity. So for example, for, for pain, it might be if I don't get up and walk, you know, I haven't been taking really good care of my health. You know, Ed Milet tells a story about him not taking care of his health. And then finally the doctor sits him down and says, look, you need to understand if you don't take care of your health, you're not going to walk your daughter down the aisle. 
Well, what's he using? He's using pain. The pain of what his daughter will go through if he's not there to walk her down. That's getting leverage on yourself, but it's getting leverage through pain. Another way you could do it is through pleasure. So maybe it's, okay, um, I want 2021 to be my year and I want to look amazing. And you got to really connect to, I'm going to look so good or I'm going to be so fit or, you know, tapping into some pleasure that you're going to experience by achieving this goal or doing this thing that maybe you don't want to really can help you get leverage on yourself. But you've got to have a big juicy why. So don't just say, I want to lose 10 pounds. Don't just say, well, I think I want to write a book. You need to envision the person that's going to be reading the book that you write and how it's going to impact their lives. If you want to speak, I want you to think about, I went through this exercise the other day with a gal, um, Angela, that I was speaking to. Um, I said, I want you to imagine speaking on the stage in Southeast Asia, and there is a younger version of you that comes up and tears are streaming down her face. And she said, my God, you've just changed my life. You've changed my perspective to see what you've done, the success you've had. I'm so impacted. I want you to connect with that person because that will get you over the hurdle of now I got to sit down and write a speech. So get a big juicy why, and that can really help you, um, overcome doing something you don't really want to do maybe early in the morning. Yeah, that is so big of a nugget. <laughs> I'm just sitting here thinking about the why and you're absolutely right. Sometimes, unfortunately, there's something that happens in our lives, like you said, um, even even a, a tragedy. I know for me personally, I don't I don't know that if I've actually shared this on on any podcast really, but I, I lost my dad when I was young. When I was nine years old, I had lost him to a stroke. And uh, I knew from that moment on that there were choices that he made that if I made them too, I could be in the same position from a health perspective. And so I knew from a goal setting standpoint, when it came to health and exercise, there were certain choices that I needed to make if I wanted to live a longer lasting life than unfortunately what, what my dad experienced. Um, but that pain of loss was something that drove me to the decisions that have taken me to where I am today. Um, so, you yeah. know, it's, it's different, I think, like you said, for every person. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, mm -hmm. it is pleasure. Maybe it is that wedding or that birthday or that something that you're getting excited to go sure. to. But I think that's such a critical thing. So, I, you know, everything you're saying is now leading me to a follow-up question, which is related to accountability. So one mm -hmm. of the things, there, there's habits and there's what we tell ourselves which is yes if i eat the mm -hmm. vegetables and do the walking and get past two minutes and do 45 minutes it will be awesome sometimes though we talk ourselves out of things because it's just ourselves. who's gonna know who's gonna know if mm -hmm. i didn't do my 45 minute walk who's gonna know that I ate a bowl of ice cream instead of, you know, a hearty bowl of oatmeal for breakfast. So mm -hmm. I, I, I think from what I've seen and why there's those days where even in our mastermind, which is at 5.30 a.m. everyone on a mm -hmm. Wednesday morning, just in case you were curious and I hadn't shared that before, um, 
why do I do that? Why do I get up at 530 in the morning? Because there's certain goals that I have. And I know that if I share them with a group of people, my likelihood to accomplish them and have accountability is greater because I've now just shown that I'm not just interested, but am committed to the things that I say mm -hmm. that I am. So what can you tell us about the importance of accountability as it relates to sustaining habits and high performance? Sure. Oh, I'm so glad you brought up accountability because it is everything. And and you experience it in the mastermind. And Des did sign up for the 5.30 a.m., which kudos to her because most people that are on Pacific time zone don't sign up to that time slot. So um, hats off to you for, for your level of commitment. Accountability is huge. And so a lot of people will say, well, I don't have a lot of motivation or I'm not a lot, I don't have as much self-discipline as I would like. You can build that in. You don't have to be David Goggins to have self-discipline. You can manufacture that. Don't don't write, don't give yourself a pass because well, I've never really been a motivated person. I've never been a self to I'm, I'm here to like, I'm I'm raising the bullshit flag on that. No, 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 no. You can build that in. Let's talk about how you do that. So accountability is huge. So you're familiar with accountability, buddy. Let me tell you how that works well and let me tell you what most people do wrong with accountability buddies. Do not pick an accountability buddy that struggles with the same thing that you struggle with. I cannot tell you the amount of people that are like, I'm going to lose weight and I'm going to ask Tina to do it with me. Tina also struggles with the same thing that I struggle. And she also doesn't like to get up early and she also doesn't like to walk. So we're going to walk together. No, 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 no. That's your ego picking Tina. Don't pick Tina. Who you pick, you pick. Sharon down the street because she's a marathon runner. And every morning you see Sharon with her spandex and her sports bra and she's running around the neighborhood and you're like, where does Sharon get all the energy? Sharon needs to be your accountability buddy. And let me tell you, that's hard for our ego because we're like, oh, she's so much better than she's not going to want to pair up with me and talk to Sharon. You've got to pick an accountability buddy, buddy that is better at that thing than you are. And th again, that's where we, we really make the mistake because if you choose to work out with your friend that also struggles with that, you won't work out. You're going to go to Starbucks and you're going to sit outside and you're going to order a macchiato and it's going to be amazing, but you'll never work out together. So pick an accountability buddy that excels in the area you struggle with. Ideally, then they're also trying to go after a goal that you excel in. So that's, that's the most um, beneficial arrangement. When you have an accountability buddy, I want you to set a time in which you're accountable to them. So whether you're meeting in person or whether it's a Zoom call or whether it's a text, but you know, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, we check in and it's going to be a text. It's going to be a reminder and it can be a simple, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Make sure you get your workout in or Hey, you're on my mind. Make sure you get your word count in today. I have, I actually have an accountability buddy who is um, also a performance coach. Um, and we, we do kind of co-coaching together. We're each other's accountability. We're both very driven motivated people. And yet he's on vacation right now. What do I do? I send Mark a text yesterday saying, make sure you get your work on. And I know you're having fun. You're sitting on the beach, but move your body. I'm holding him accountable to what his goals are. It doesn't matter what my goals are, but I'm holding him to accountable to the thing he said is important. And that is really an important piece of accountability. It's not giving people a pass. And I'm not saying you got to beat them up, but the thing that they said there that is important to them, hold them to that hold them to that. We don't berate them if they don't hit it. Go, all right, that was yesterday. What are you going to do today? I don't care what happened yesterday. What are you going to do today? What are you going to do tomorrow? How can I support you in this? So 
Accountability is huge. But one thing I want to point out, Des, is you were saying, well, nobody's going to know if I eat that bowl of ice cream. Nobody's going to know. You're right, except the most important person knows, which is you. We have to hold our word to ourselves as one of the highest words that we can hold. We're really good at delivering on other people's expectations. If my friend needs me, I am there. But are you showing up for yourself? When I give my word to my best friend or to my spouse or my partner, they know I'm going to deliver. But do you deliver to yourself? Because confidence is tied to that and happiness is tied to that. If you know you're the kind of person that always lets yourself down, it can really undermine your confidence. So yes, other people won't know that you broke your word, but you'll know. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Um, one other thing I'll mention on accountability is when we are succeeding and our accountability buddies succeeding, when other people around us, our peer group, going back to the original peer group, we can, we, we talk about this a lot in the, in the mastermind, we draft off of each other's success. When you are standing next to someone who has lit themselves on fire, it makes you warm, which is why you have to have that elevated peer group, which is why you should have accountability buddies. And you should share in your journey because when we go and we kind of, well, I'm going to succeed in private and then I'll, I'll come out and show people once I've been successful. I, I hate that method. I hate, I, there's a huge trend on people talking about that on social media. I hate it because the only person it's protecting is your ego. When you come up and say, I I'm going to try to run this marathon and I screwed up yesterday, but I'm going to be better today. You are giving other people the opportunity to draft off of your momentum, but you're also giving them permission to go after something imperfectly. Life is supposed to be an iterative process. We don't nail it the first time we stand up and we fall and we stand up and we fall. And that's, that's just part of it. That's business. And that is life. But when we share that process with other people, we inspire them along the way. If you keep it private, you're just protecting yourself. Ego. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is the thing that seems to crush us. And what I'm For sure. hearing you say is that if we replace ego with vulnerability, that is going to get us that much further. Because oh, it's yeah. that it's that vulnerability where we're, we're humans, and I just want to mm -hmm. drop the mic. April just dropped the mic because you connected this this whole thing. You know, as as a productivity expert, there's so many things that I could ask you to come um, and drop your knowledge for people to to learn about. But I think that connecting your environment, so who you choose to surround yourself with on a daily basis, and then how you use your time individually and with those people make a big difference in terms of your acceleration to success and what you want to achieve in the best version of your life or taking the taking the snail's pace you know the the turtle mm -hmm. road and and uh yes. waking up and having the same the same actions but not yielding any new results mm -hmm. and it it it, it hurts yeah. a little and, bit, but it should and you said so, it should, it should. Yeah. Growth hurts, by the way. Um, people think growth is just a, a conference that you go to and you feel good. I'm going to tell you, there's an underbelly to growth. It hurts. And here's what, what I'll also mention about both, both growth and designing your peer group and elevating yourself and your business, all of those things. Here's, here's the, here's the underbelly. 
People aren't always going to support you. In fact, people that you love will actively sabotage your success. I can't, I can't tell you the amount of clients who will show up and they'll talk about their, their spouse, the person they love and adore in this world. And they're like, you know, it's so weird because they get mad at me when I go for my run in the morning. They get mad when I go to the gym. They'll get, um, they get mad when I'm launching this new product. And are they, are they sabotaging you? Yes. Now that doesn't mean that we vote them out of our lives, but people in our lives are very invested with the current or past version of you. And when you start to grow, it scares them. When it's someone who's real close to you, your growth scares them because they don't know that they're going to have a place. The old version of them is going to have a place in your new life. And so when you feel that pushback, and that could be from our spouses, that can be from our family, that can be from our parents, our siblings. I will tell you, it's not the the haters on the internet that usually undermine uh, people's con- uh, people's confidence when they're growing. It's the people closest to them. It's uh, um, in the book Untamed, the author says, um, it's the it's the quiet concern of a loved one that really undermines our success. And I love the way she says that. The, are you sure? Well, I'm just worried about you. Those are the things that completely undermine us. So be cognizant of it. Be aware that if you are reaching for that next level of success, there's a good chance people around you aren't going to support you through it, which is further reason why we need to go out and design a peer group. We got we need people that will cheer us on when we're leveling up, not be threatened by it. And just because someone's threatened by it does not mean you have to vote them out of your life. Um, that's a larger conversation. Um, but just because they are struggling with it, you may not have that conversation with them. I know lots of business owners that can't talk to the people closest to them about their business because those people don't know what it's like to run a business and it will undermine their confidence. So they have to go and seek out other business owners. I run masterminds that are specifically for business owners. Why? Because they have a unique set of problems that typically only other business owners will understand. And if they share those, if they share their desire to level up with those outside of that community, the people feel threatened and they sabotage their success. So they know they can only share those with certain members. Wow. Mind blown. <laughs> I mean, that's, that is some legit stuff right there. And the amazing thing that you, you know, what you just hit on is what I love about having a peer group like a mastermind is I've learned with vulnerability that we all have that. We all have individuals in our lives like that who, whom we care about and love very much, whether it is a family member or multiple family members or friends or whatever that is. And, and so to me, that is one additional reason why having strength around you in the moments when someone is maybe trying to sabotage you, you have that network that's going to go, you know what? Don't let that one person crush your dreams, your goals, slow you down. You know, you take it for what it is. You, you have love and respect for them, but it doesn't mean that they control you. You control you mm-hmm. and, and the outcomes that you want to achieve. So that I'm so glad that you, you, you mentioned that there at the end. 
Oh, yeah. It, again, there's, there's a cost to leveling up. And we think, we think we know the cost. Like I, I gotta, whatever it is, I gotta get up early. I've got to invest in this business. It's, it's going to cost me financially this much. There are some other costs that are, we'll say hidden costs. And I like to be upfront with people about it because otherwise when they bump up against that, they're surprised and they think, am I doing something wrong? Do I have the wrong people around me? And you know, if, if we're honest about what growth looks like, and like I said, growth, growth is painful at times. If we're honest about that, then we can prepare people. It's not a reason not to level up. It's just, you need to be prepared for what that looks like and then how to navigate those conversations. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm so grateful for all this knowledge that you shared with us. And, you know, for anyone listening, this is, there's only so much that we can fit into a limited interview, but I do want people to know because this might just be the beginning, April, for some people on their journey to betterment, Mm -hmm. um, having better time management. Is there anything that you want to share about other programs that you offer or things that how people, how can people follow you? So if they want a little bit more, if they don't want to just stop today listening to this podcast, how can they follow you and the work that you're doing so they can get more productivity, more out of life? Sure. Um, so a couple of couple, two things. So one is uh, almost every platform. I'm the April Garcia. So that part's pretty easy. Um, as far as, um, if you're looking at productivity and you're just saying, okay, well, how do I get more done in less time so I can get on with the other things I love in life? Um, one thing I'll extend is we have a four steps program that we will extend for free, um, to sign up for that. It's pivot dash me.com four steps again, numeric four steps, excuse me. And the four steps program is four steps to doing more in less time. And it's four short videos. They're, I don't know, under 10 minutes, each one. And then each one has a worksheet. Again, this is totally free where I give a tip of, Hey, we're going to solve. And some of them I mentioned quickly, I, and I skipped the most important, important tip, which is the modified Pomodoro technique. It's in there. It's video one. We save the best for first where I do a video and I attach a worksheet and you just get in your inbox and we walk through what is something that you can do today to be more productive. I don't want to talk in a theoretical. That's one of the problems with a lot of the productivity books is like, well, let me talk to you about theory. Nobody needs a theory. Nobody's got time for the theory. Just what can I do now to get more done and get out of here so I can get on with the other things I love. So four steps. I highly, highly encourage you to go to pivot-me.com backslash four steps and get that. So if that's what you're looking for, more productivity. The other thing is, and and Des and I were talking about that this morning is I do run live masterminds, but I'm going to be honest right now, all of the slots are filled for that. And we, we, my team and I, we sat down and we said, there is such a huge need. We, if I was going to die tomorrow, the, the information, the content that I would most want to be in people's hands is the mastermind content, the Pivot Me Academy content. And so we're actually just beta testing it right now. It launched literally today. Um, But we have Pivot Me virtual coaching. And so you can find out more about that at pivot-me.com backslash coaching. But it's essentially taking the mastermind content that we talk about in the Pivot Me Academy and putting it out in the form of an email. It's a video, it's a worksheet each week at the same time. And I would encourage you to time block that 
And it's a way that you can essentially get all the, the Pivot Me Academy content, but one, one lesson at a time. So get yourself a three ring binder, do it each week, print those papers out and put it in there and you can work through all the content. It's things from, you know, goal crushing to time management and productivity, mastering your mindset, which is huge. Um, we can get all the tools, but if we don't master up here, it's very hard for us to execute on it. And some of them are business and success strategy, high performance habits, all of the things that, that you talk about Des, and I know you prioritize as well. It's a way that we have made it in a very easy to deliver and easy to execute and very affordable way. So um, definitely check that out as well. So kind of two different things, time management and productivity, or one that's more encompasses time management, but also covers the other areas of our lives. Wow. That is a lot of gold to go get. So I'll make sure that all that information is in the show notes so people can remember the link in case they forget or whatever that is. So they'll be able to go and find you on social media and find all of the wonderful sure. programs that you have to offer. So that's awesome. So before I let you go. And, and the podcast, I should have mentioned. And, oh, hi. The hello. podcast, Pivot Me. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely I'm, I'm go. also the host of the Pivot Me podcast. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, here's, so here's what I'll say. In fact, it's, I'm so glad you mentioned the podcast because part of what inspired me today was listening to one of your podcast episodes. It was on five ways to make a mastermind great and the tribe of millionaires. You were talking about that book and, you know, it got me thinking about the peer, peer group and everything. So, um, the other way to get very much informed is to go and subscribe, do it right now. It, it'll take you five seconds to click this, or less than that, two seconds to get, to hit the subscribe button. So you could find Pivot Me on all the places where you listen to a podcast, uh, Apple Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Um, and that is basically like taking a little course, one chunk at a time, one chunk at a time. And um, I've gotten such tremendous value of listening. So definitely do that. It's free. It is free information. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so go and get that yes. information because it's going to change your life. It definitely has changed mind. Um, but I can't let you go without asking you a couple of final questions. So, you know, one of, one of the things that I want my, listeners to realize is the unique person that they are and to really embrace that and to be unapologetically them as they're on their journey in this life. You know, you can be influenced by others, but at the end of the day, it is who you are that makes you special and, and um, you know, makes you like nobody else. So I want to ask you a few questions just to get to know you a little bit better. So maybe people can kind of think about this for themselves. So my first question for you is an easy one. It's what are three words that you would use to describe yourself? Ooh, describe myself. Um, let's see. Uh, so I get confident a lot. So I would say confident, adventurous, and um, bold. Ooh, those are good and very accurate. <laughs> Oh, I've been I've, <laughs> As someone who I've, knows me really well. <laughs> yeah, I've been on an adventurous experience where April would call me up and say, Hey, want to get on a boat? Want to get on a boat like in a few days? Sure. 
Absolutely, yes. I do. Let's and, do and it. You said yes. Yes, I did yes. say yes. Because I was I like, like, it'll be great. It's, it's uh, one of my clients are flying in, it'll be great. <laughs> adventurous. So I'm glad we align up on you those did. two. We had things. such a good time. That was a blast. Okay. Yes. My next my next question for you is what is something about yourself that you've embraced even more into your adulthood? So maybe when you were younger, it was something that you didn't embrace, but as you grew into who you are today, it's something that you embrace even more. Something, so that kind of implies that maybe I I didn't embrace it at first, or is it just yeah. something that I've just started to appreciate? Yeah, something something that you appreciate even more just about who you are. You know, I think actually it'd probably tie back to the word that I used to describe myself, which is confidence. So I think at first it was, you know, if you're too confident, confident, you can seem cocky or you can make other people feel bad. We kind of think of our, our self-image in relation to other people and it doesn't need to be. I can be confident and it doesn't need to negatively or positively affect anybody. Um, so I would say that's probably one of them. You know, I think I had that trait and kind of the – maybe the leadership trait, which those things can kind of go hand in hand. But, um, and I, I know that the older that I got, the more I leaned into that. But when I was younger, that was something I struggled with because you, you know, imposter syndrome is a very real thing and who do I think I am? And, you know, there were definitely, um, that wasn't necessarily supported when I started out in my career and in my, my life journey. Um, so I had to make a conscious decision to embrace that. Yeah. I, I would, you know, I, I'm going to evolve that question. Um, I'm going to say leadership abilities. Yeah, it was that are going to be my ears. I grew into my ears too. It was one or the other. Hey, it's all it's all relevant. Your ears and and your leadership. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love. Yeah, that. exactly. I grew into both of them the older I got. <laughs> hey, that's that's awesome. What about my next question? Is what? is a self-limiting belief that you had that you've worked on or maybe even that you're working on if if there is anything mm. oh there's many things let me just say um all, you know we talked about the things my expertise let me first start by saying i i know so much because i've done so much wrong like th th I'm coming from a place of knowing the ropes because I've fallen off of them so many times. So, um, and I still have many self-limiting beliefs for sure. Um, one that I have worked on many times, apparently, even if you're on do not disturb, your phone can ring. I am so Ooh. sorry. Um, so I just got this phone. Cause you know, oh, you, broke last you week. broke your phone. Right. It, I broke my phone and just let it be known that the Samsung S 21 still freaking rings when it's on do not disturb. So anyways, um, yeah, I'll tell you one that I, I have actively been working on the last two or three years, which is that I don't have to go at it alone. So, um, you know, I'm very much someone who has, who will blaze trails and, um, you know, historically, I can think about doing those alone and not necessarily leveraging a team or the people around me. And um, I had a pretty life-changing experience, um, which you may or may not know about in Nashville when I dislocated my knee. And um, I had to be carried up flights of stairs, like physically carried. 
Um, and that changed everything for me. So I, I set out with these words of intention and um, my word of intention that I hadn't been living into up until that po point was uh, vulnerability, that I did not do vulnerability well. Um, I was very good at doing all the things, but I wasn't good at being vulnerable and um, le letting people help me. And that trip changed everything because I physically was incapable of getting myself anywhere. And uh, there's nothing like having, you know, clients and staff and random people carrying you around until you can get a wheelchair to really work on your vulnerability skills. So, wow. So, yeah, I would say the limiting belief was just um, that I had to do it myself. I had to do it alone. And, um, and, and I'll be honest, it's something I still struggle with because that's my knee jerk reaction and I have to stop myself. I actually have a sticky on my computer to this day that says, does this need to be you? And so before I do a task, I stop and say, does this need to be you, April? Does this really need to be you? Or I ask the question, who else could this be? Um, and that again, doesn't matter how old you are, how long you've been running a business. I've run Maven, the consulting firm Maven for six years now, and I still have to stop and ask six, five years. And I still have to stop and ask, does this need to be you? Wow. Talk about force vulnerability when you injure yourself and <laughs> yeah, you, you don't have a choice that you uh, pretty much need help or else you're going to be stuck in the same spot for maybe a substantially long time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and I'll be honest with you. I, I was, so it, I was staying at a, a Wyndham and the thing about those that I didn't know before I booked it was that they're not technically a hotel, so they don't have to have elevators. So I was staying on the third floor and there was no elevators and the stairs were outside and it's Nashville, Tennessee. And of course it's raining because that's how the movie gets set up. Right. And, uh, I had gone, I was out with clients and I dislocated my knee and, uh, and I was like, it's fine. Just, just put me in an Uber. I'm fine. They're like, we can't put you in an Uber. Like your leg, your legs just look at it. I'm like, it's fine. Just don't worry about it. Cause I just wanted to be out of that situation. And they're like, no, we're getting in the Uber with you and we're driving you to the Wyndham. And then I was like, it's fine. And then when we pull up there, I'm like, just drop me off. It's good. <laughs> like, oh. no, you can't. Like, how are you going to get up the stairs? Yeah. And so I had a, a then client at the time, literally like pick me up, like, like, you know, like uh, crossing crossing over a threshold when you're married or something and carry me up three flights of stairs. I'm really glad that my client was a former Marine <laughs> and he's like, oh, it's okay. You're not that heavy. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 please don't carry me. And I had to be carried. And then they go yeah. like, uh, you know, they had to go in your hotel room. And when you're traveling for business alone, you assume that no one's ever going to see your hotel room. So you have like a pizza box and your clothes are all over. And like, imagine all the embarrassing things that can be found when somebody enters your hotel room carrying you and has to put you into bed. It was, it was the most humbling experience of my life. And it was a huge inflection point. I think of my life before that instance and after that instance. Whoa. So that's vulnerability. And you had to trust someone enough that could carry you up three flights of stairs. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. What a story. I hadn't heard that story before. That's incredible. It's, oh my it's gosh. not, I actually have, it's, it's funny. So after he dropped me off, someone that worked with me ended up having to carry me down the flights of stairs, take me to the hospital. And there was another person that was there and she, she's like, I was in a terrible mood. I was in a lot of pain. And she goes, I'm going to take a picture of this. It'll be funny one day. And I remember thinking, no, Katie, this will not be funny one day. 
And she took a picture of my director of product management carrying me like piggyback and like one shoe's missing and I'm wearing like Mickey Mouse like sweats. I mean, it's it's like a terrible picture, right? And she was right. Katie was right. The picture is hilarious now. Now when I look at that, I it, I remember it all comes back to me and I'm really grateful. So everything changed after that trip. Boom. There it is. Mickey Mouse sweatpants and all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have yep. two. I have two final questions for you. Um, the first is, what's one thing that you want to see changed in the world? Mm, God, so many things. Um, God, there's a hundred things just flooded my mind. I would say. I would say that ties back to, um, you know, the thing that I would want most people to know in this world, which is if you change your story, you change your life. And so the thing that I would really like people to know is that the circumstance does not make the man. You do. It's your choices. It's the story that you make up about the circumstance. That's what impacts our lives. And so if we're going to change the world and, cha and we change the world by changing our lives and changing the lives of other people we have to start by telling a better story, a more empowering story. You can't say, well, you know, my, my dad was a military man, which is why I do X, Y, Z, or I'm an introvert, which is why I struggled with that. These are all just stories we tell ourselves and they're not serving us. And we can simply drop the story that we've rehearsed so many times in our head and to people and cocktail parties. You can just drop that story and you can just pick a new story and it will completely change your life. Wow. That is money right there. And so maybe this final question, I don't know if you would build on what you just said, but is what's one of the best pieces of advice that you've ever been given? Ooh, that I've been given. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Gosh, I, that's really something me. Let me think. Best piece of advice I've ever given, been given. You know, I would say it probably ties back to the limiting belief that I, I still struggle with it to this day, which is um, you don't have to go at it alone. You don't have to do it all on your own. You don't have to do it by yourself. Yeah. And that's such a simple piece of advice, but it just runs counter to how I have lived much of my life and just recognizing that there are people that are willing and able to help you and support you right under your nose. Um, but if, if you don't ask, they can't jump in. Yeah, that is so powerful. And, and it's also a testament to while, while you're challenged by it, you've also leaned into it with the team, the incredible team that you've built with pivot me and with Maven. Um, because, You've, you've got people around you that help you get it done. So as much as it's a challenge, yeah, also, yeah. And it, you know, sure. And it's not just about business. I mean, I would say, I would clarify that, that it's more, that was more of a personal reflection. My team is amazing at Maven and pivot me and they're just a phenomenal rock star group. Um, it's, it's not about the team. The team's amazing, but this is, I would say that's more of a challenge that I, I felt personally, mm. but, um, so I just want to clarify the, the yeah. team's absolutely amazing. It's me. It's not them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. April, 
thank you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for spending, you know, time just sharing with us things that are, will change our life. I certainly appreciate having you on the show. Look forward to having you back after, you know, you continue to develop programs and we see how your pilot goes. So I'm so excited. I feel honored and blessed to be continuing on this journey with you. So I appreciate you so much, my friend. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on and for the work that you do, Des. It's amazing to watch your trajectory and we all stand back in awe and seeing the things that you do and also the contribution-focused heart that you have is just amazing. And we need a whole lot more um, Des Mayas out there in this world. Oh, well, I certainly appreciate that. Thank you everyone for listening to today's episode. Remember that you are your only limit. So take action today. Thanks for listening to the Born Unbreakable podcast. Bye. Bye. Wow. What a treat to be joined by a personal mentor of mine, again, an expert in productivity, an incredibly successful businesswoman. I couldn't have asked for better knowledge to be dropped, but I did want to just take a moment and reflect on some of the key takeaways that I got from the amazing interview with Mrs. April Garcia. So the first thing that I made note of is who you surround yourself with matters. Take stock of those individuals and think about how they align with the future version of yourself that you're striving to become. Those big goals, those big dreams that you want to achieve are the people that are surrounding you, enabling, propelling, pushing, elevating you accelerating you toward those goals. If the answer is no, evaluate how to get the right people in your corner. You know people who know people, take that leap, ask for the introduction, make yourself known to those people that you need in your court and change the environment that you surround yourself with so you've got people that can take you to the next level. The second thing is when it comes to time management, be intentional about where you expend your energy and protect your time from distractions. She talked about time blocking. And if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Wow. Prioritize, be intentional, say no, put yourself first. Last thing that stood out to me was that in the journey of self-development, Put your ego aside and be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to ask for what you need, even when it's uncomfortable. Leverage the talents of the people around you and you'll go a lot further. So those are some of my key takeaways. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful to you for joining and tuning in to the Born Unbreakable podcast. I'm so excited for you to be on this journey to crush your self-limiting beliefs and be unapologetically you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.